This morning we're going to look at two verses in Philippians, chapter 3, verse 21, and the next verse, which is chapter 4 and verse 1. And the title of my sermon is Completely Redeemed, Body and Soul. We have reached chapter 3 and verse 21 in our series on the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and what we shall see in that verse is much more than a consideration or two. It contains a huge subject. Just look at verse 21 now. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, where the Apostle Paul is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ transforming our bodies when he comes again. And this is what Paul said. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That verse looks ahead to when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. At which time he will transform our bodies, whether they be dead or still alive. There is no doubt about it. Jesus will come again, and God has laid that certain hope in the hearts of all who belong to his beloved Son and their beloved Saviour. Jesus spoke very clearly about his second coming in Matthew chapter 25, when he said in verses 31 and 32, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. As such, it will be a visible coming, and Jesus will come in judgment. The second coming of Jesus is a subject that generates much debate and there are people who give their pennies worth about when that day will be despite Jesus having said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 but of that day and hour knoweth no man no not the angels in heaven but my father only maybe you will still be alive when Jesus returns and maybe you won't. God only knows. Either way, if you belong to Jesus, your heart's desire ought to be for Jesus to come soon. And although that time has been fixed by God, you nevertheless speed his coming as you look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I trust that you are not, shall we say, trying to slow down the coming of Jesus until various things have happened, such as you have had that promotion or you have secured that dream job that you have always wanted or you have enjoyed your retirement or you have passed your exams or you have bought that house or that car that you've been saving so hard for and for such a long time or even that all of your loved ones have come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Listen, I get it that their salvation weighs heavily on your heart and is very, very important to you. For that reason, I presume that you are regularly speaking to them about Jesus as you proclaim forgiveness for sins and everlasting life through faith in his name. Even so, I trust that you are looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. I'll say that again, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. That's what the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. Those words of Peter speak of an earnest desire for Jesus to return. In the closing chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, God has given us words of tremendous encouragement with the Son of God giving assurances of his second coming. And he has done so in no less than three verses in that final chapter. In verse 7, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And then in verse 12, he said, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Finally, in verse 20, the second to last verse of the Bible, Jesus said, Surely I come quickly. Whereupon the Apostle John replied, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. With all that in mind, it would be rather odd, to say the least, if any of the redeemed of the Lord were not hastening his second coming. Coming back to your loved ones who are not yet saved, whilst you right, quite rightly continue to pray for their salvation and you continue to minister the word of God to them as your top priority and with a sense of urgency, never forget that salvation is of the Lord and all who have been ordained to eternal life and whose names are written in heaven, will, will believe and they will be eternally saved. Not one of them will be missing when Jesus comes again and gathers together his elect. As Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 37 and verse 39, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This is the Father's will which have sent me, that of all which he have given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. As yet, dear Christian, we haven't even begun to look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, which speaks of our vile bodies being raised up, and transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and being being fashioned like unto his glorious body when he comes again? We've just considered the absolute certainty of Jesus coming again. However, there's something else that I want to consider with you before we look at verse 21, and that is, when you die, your soul and body will part company with your soul going to be with the Lord Jesus and your body returning to the dust of the earth. 
With regards to the soul, let's not forget that promise of Jesus when he said to the dying thief, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. According to the promise of the dying Saviour, the thief's soul went to be with him in heaven, whilst his dead body would have been disposed of in some way, probably by being thrown into a fire. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In that verse, Paul spoke very clearly about separation of body and soul, with his soul going to be with Jesus in heavenly glory. There are people who wrongly think that when they die, they are annihilated, body and soul, and that's the end of the matter. Perhaps it's wishful thinking on their part. Um, after all, if that is the case, if they are simply annihilated, body and soul, then they don't have to give an account to God, do they? Then there are those who seem to imagine that when they die, they will float around as ghosts, or they will sit on clouds, or they will become angels. They too are wrong. When you die, it will be heaven or hell for your soul, depending on whether or not you die trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin. Having considered the absolute certainty of Jesus coming again, and also the fact that at death, redeemed souls go to be with Jesus, we shall now consider Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. Let's have a look at it now. Paul said, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. As has already been said, no one knows when the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. As such, perhaps you can see in verse 21 that the Apostle Paul did not venture to say whether he would still be alive in the world or whether his body would be dead and in the grave. And quite frankly, it makes no difference when it comes to Jesus coming again and changing our vile bodies. Christians look forward to that day when their vile bodies will be changed and Paul was not talking about cosmetic surgery. He was talking about bodies which have been ravaged by sin, being transformed and being made suitable for heaven and for the company of God. I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 8 and read a couple of verses for you. Romans chapter 8, I'll read from verse 22. The Apostle Paul said, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, 
waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Creation as a whole, inanimate and animate, is groaning and suffering like a woman in labour, and the reason for it is sin. Born-again Christians, even though they are new creatures in Christ, they nevertheless long for a final deliverance when their vile bodies will be changed and fashioned like unto their Saviour's glorious body, and they will be once and for all completely and utterly free from the presence of sin. According to verse 23 of Romans chapter 8, such people have the first fruits of the Spirit. To have the first fruits of the Spirit is evidenced in having a love for God and the brethren, having a continual joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, even in times of trial and tribulation, in health and in sickness, in life and in death. Having the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and having sweet communion with God, having been reconciled to him through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those things, and much more besides, are evidence of having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even so, dear Christian, we groan within ourselves, as it is written in verse 23. And that is because we still have earthly bodies, sinful bodies, bodies of death. Therefore, we are waiting for the adoption, according to verse 23. But don't panic. As a Christian, you have already been adopted as a child of God. That's very clear in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, which speaks of you having received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. However, your adoption will be fully manifested when not only your soul, but also your body bears the image of the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last of all, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 23, we read the redemption of our body. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul said the redemption of our body and not the resurrection of our body. John chapter 11 tells us about Lazarus, who had been dead for four days and his body began to stink. Jesus resurrected Lazarus. But presumably, Lazarus later died for a second time. However, dear Christian, the redemption of your body when Jesus returns highlights the final deliverance of your body from sin and from death. When that glorious event happens, your body will be raised immortal, incorruptible and imperishable. And you will have a spiritual body, suited to heaven. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 47 through to 58, and as we heard earlier from our brother Stephen, 
The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. In closing, I would like to introduce you to, or reacquaint you to, one of those Old Testament saints, someone who looked forward to having a redeemed body upon the second coming of his great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. His name was Job. Job was a man whose ten children all perished. Job lost his wealth. He lost his health, so much so that he was afflicted with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Indeed, as he sat in ashes, he scraped his festering open sores with a broken piece of crockery. Despite all of those terrible things that happened to Job, and despite his wife counselling him to curse God and die, he said in Job chapter 19, verses 25 through to 27, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Or how my heart yearns within me. As such, Job was looking above and beyond his present afflictions to the unchanging hope that God had laid deep in his heart that his Redeemer would stand upon the earth. 
The Hebrew word Ga'el, that has been translated Redeemer, also means kinsman or near of kin. Job was looking forward to seeing a man, his kinsman Redeemer, standing upon the earth at the end of time, and that man is the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who redeemed Job and all who have believed in him, and he has done so with his own precious blood. In the same breath, Job spoke about seeing God in his own body, after death had destroyed his body. Clearly, that Old Testament saint was talking about his great and certain hope of seeing the man who is God, his Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and seeing him in his own redeemed and glorified body. That takes us back to Philippians chapter 3, verses 21 through to 4, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul said, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. As we close, you can think of sin as a disease of the soul, which it most certainly is, but it is so hideous and so grotesque that it permeates and affects our entire being, soul and body. It's worth remembering that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said to his disciples, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both, sorry, both soul and body in hell. As such, a conscious and everlasting destruction of your body and soul in hell awaits you if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. As for all of you who by the grace of God, through faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus, are waiting eagerly for his second coming and the redemption of your body, you are the dearly beloved of God. Just look again at chapter 4 and verse 1, where Paul said, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Not once, but twice, in chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul addressed the Philippian Christians as dearly beloved as he encouraged them to stand fast in the Lord. And so I say to you, dearly beloved, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, as you look forward to your Saviour coming again and changing our vile bodies, that they may be fashioned like unto his glorious body.
Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.